Podcast. I am your host, Big Will, a.k.a. Uncle Buck. I gave the guys, my co-host, that is, the week off for Election Day this year. Um, I exercised my constitutional right to vote myself at my old high school the other day. I went back <sighs> to my old alma mater, Huntington High School, over there where I used to listen to uh, Dahmer from Canada's demo on the old yellow Sony Cassette Walkman, not ironically, it was the latest in technology at the time. Cutting class, smoke, allegedly smoking bowls um, in my 1988 Oldsmobile Cutlass Sierra. Uh, that would have been in 1998 or 1999. Uh, rest in peace to that car. That was a great little car. Good bass listening to... Uh, Noriega's, um, what was that song? Oh, oh no, what, what? Produced by um, the Neptunes. Yes, it was a magical time, the late 90s and the early 2000s. Um, and, and I'm going to take you there with some interviews I got coming up later on this month. Um, definitely got some OGs on the line uh, and procured some interviews, man. But tonight we're talking to some young bloods. Um, you know, just reminiscing on a moment here about my high school days over there. Didn't really, um, hmm, didn't like high school much. Just going to say it. Uh, but, you know, I did like listening to all the death metal and grindcore I used to listen to back then. The golden era of Adam Rotella making me mixtapes of all the demo, lymphatic phlegm, um, cryptopsies, none so vile, mortician's house by the cemetery, the, the old relapse catalog that was thick, like a like the Sears catalog. You know what I'm saying? Um, oh God, good times, good regurgitation. Um, listen, I'm a lot of people like that regurgitation tales of necrophilia album. See it getting reissued. See a lot, you know. See it popping up. No, I'm not hating. It's you know, it's not, it's it's not a bad brutal death metal album from that era. However, their demo. Um, Regurgitation's uh, original demo. What was that called, man? Oh, this is killing me now. Uh, such such a good recording. I used to I used to wear that out in high school all the time. I had the song "Rotting in the Bowels of the Dead," "Sandpaper Abrasions." I'm trying to think what the title of that one was, man. People the, the people might know now, man. Regardless, um, yeah, didn't high school, huh? Um, wasn't great for me. So if it's not great for you, if you're a teenager listening, or if you're a young person listening to this, man, it gets better. Trust me. Get at, just get through it. Um, other than that, um, shout out to everybody coming out to Amityville Musical last week for the Halloween Hangover. We appreciate you showing up. Small but loyal scene out there, riparian, uh, animals killing people, wreaking aura. We brought the Scarecrow. I'm the Scarecrow King of Huntington Station out here. Managed to not get into a car accident on the way to that show, so that's good. We're back. Um, got some shows to announce. I'm going to get into that after the interview. Some new shows coming up for the holiday season, but something that requires your urgent attention, a, a show... Um, I'm not, not one of my band shows, but the, uh, Frozen Soul, shout to them, Judiciary, 200 Stab Wounds, Tribal Gaze, and Stabbed, uh, local boys stabbed, are gonna be at Gramercy Theater in New York City this Sunday, November 5th, so that's gonna be like two days after this episode drops, if you're in real time with us, um, that's a crazy lineup, uh, it's, I, I, 
stabbed, tribal gaze, 200 stab wounds, frozen soldier, this year, all killer, no filler. This is this is death metal at its at, um, freshest. This is the, the younger generation of death metal. Um, I, I, we ha- I had the opportunity. We, we performed with tribal gaze, exsanguinated did. Uh, over the summer one time, they, 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 they're they a great band live. 200 Stab Wounds, Frozen Soul at the top of their game right now. Very popular bands with some, uh, well-earned support, I should say. Judiciary, I will admit I'm not familiar with. I'm going to check them out. Stabbed, obviously, my boys. Um, go back and listen to our interview with Frozen Soul and our interview with with members of Stab. We had an interview with Mark Valentino and an interview with... Did we interview Sam for a proper interview yet? We had him on for a bunch of co-hosting episodes, man. We'll get to everybody. Don't worry. I got everybody on a long list, man. Oh, boy. But, yeah, we got other shows coming up with Reeking Aura and Anal Birth for the holiday season. I'm going to talk about all that and give you a couple of recommendations all by my lonesome here because I gave the guys a nice day off. I got a beautiful um, paid time off package for my co-host for Heavy Hole Podcast. Forget about it, as Rick Habib would say. Shout to him. Uh, But right now, I want to talk to some young bloods. uh, As I was just saying, the younger crop of death metal bands. Here's another one with a new album out that you got to check out. Uh, Pain Divine. For I am worthless. This is Big Will from Heavy Hole Podcast, and today I'm here with the entire band, Payne Divine from Grand Rapids, Michigan. Welcome to Heavy Hole Podcast, guys. It's nice, uh, nice to be here. Excited. Yeah, yeah thanks for having us. What's Thank up? You. Of course, man, and congratulations on the release of your new EP, A Worthy Adversary, um, uh, independently released, uh, recorded at uh, 19 Star Studios, if I got that right. I want to get into all that, but before we do that, I want to introduce each of you guys roundtable like I do when I have a whole band. Um, so let, so Ryan Wallace, uh, you're the bassist and vocalist. Yep. Has, yep. has it always been that way for Pain Divine? Yeah, they um they were jamming a little bit before I joined the band, but it wasn't like a full band. And Mike just hit me up because Mike and I had been in bands for a while before that. And he was like, do you want to play bass and do vocals in a death <laughs> metal band? Which uh, uh, it should be of no surprise. I'm a huge Morbid Angel fan. So I was like, fuck yeah, I want to I wanna live my David, Vin- David Vincent <laughs> fantasies, you know? All right, well, all right, cool, man. Because well, later on when we get into Pain Divine's music a little more, I want to talk about the... The doing vocals while playing bass dynamic, but but before all that, the usual question: Are you from a musical family, um, or was there anyone in your upbringing that steered you towards hard rock and metal and playing music? Oh man, um, yeah. So I like uh, w- without getting too much into it, we can spend more time on it later. Um, I've been I've been playing music since, since I was three professionally since oh. I was sixteen. Um. When I was like 13, my cousin dated this guy, James, and uh, he was upset that I was listening to Backstreet Boys. So he started taking me to a bunch of like local shows. Um, And this is the time, it's like 2004, 2003, 2004. Um, There's a band from Grand Rapids that got big, uh, Still Remains. They're like a Christian metalcore band. 
they were starting out. So he was kind of like, nah, don't listen to that. Don't listen to that other shit. Listen to this good shit. So he introduced me to a lot of like heavy metal stuff. Um, and around that same time, I saw a band cover Blink-182's All the Small Things at like a talent show at my school, my middle school. And I was like, fuck yeah, that's what I want to do with my life. So that was, uh, <laughs> it all kind of happened at the same time. And I'm like, yeah, this is, this is uh, what I want to do. <laughs> all right. There, well, there's, there's a lot there, man. Um, so let, let's start. Well, hold on a second, because a lot of people don't start playing music at three. Uh, how did how does that go? And then how do you end up playing music professionally at sixteen? Um, so my I was raised uh, I was raised Roman Catholic, and the church I went to had this really shitty flute player. <laughs> um, and I told my mom I didn't want to go. To, I, I I don't practice Roman Catholic at all, but I told my mom I didn't want to go to church because the flute player was so bad. And she said, "You can't criticize her if you don't know how to play it." So I said, "Get me piano lessons," because <laughs> um, I'm a cocky little shit. Uh, it was a cocky little shit. Um, then I like kind of took a took a course in like uh, in middle school. Joined up playing band, played clarinet, and wanted a guitar, so I got a guitar, and then switched over to bass because it has less strings. Um, and then I was in jazz band. I was playing upright bass in jazz band, and our director kind of encouraged us to go find some gigs at coffee shops. Um, so when I was 16, I was making, you know, 100, 150 bucks a weekend playing coffee shops. And it kind of just went from where there. And it was like, uh, kind of like accidentally became a professional musician. <laughs> it never was like, I never set out to do that. Um, but my life has just kind of gone in a way where that's just who I am and what I do. Um, in my like day job, I'm also, I teach orchestra. Like at a public school. Okay. All, all right, man. A lot going on. Um, a lot going on with you, Ryan. Uh, uh, for yeah, I was. There's a lot going on. I was. <laughs> I was raised in a Roman Catholic uh, school too, man. Um, I'd, not not as. It was mainly just organ and choir when when there was church, yeah, man. It went back back in the day. I don't remember there being much of a band or or an instrument, but, well, but just, you know, it was just this flute player, and she just fucking sucked. Damn. So. So, off the flute player, man. so no one in your family was really like a musical person. You were just like that, that snotty of a kid that you had to learn piano to up, <laughs> to show up the flute I was just, player. Yeah, you read. I, I was, I was just that like shitty and cocky where I was like, fine, I'll just get fucking good so I can talk more shit. Okay, man. <laughs> and and I, I wish like I could say I've grown out of that. I've just gotten way better so I can talk more shit to more people. Uh, fair, yeah, fair, farewell. You, you know, man, I gotta say, we'll get, like I said, we'll get into the playing bass while doing vocals later. So don't, 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 don't get, get it all out now, man, because I do want to be able to compliment you later, yeah. man. Um, oh, don't worry. I got, I got, I got a lot I can talk yeah, about. Yeah, I could, I could tell, bro. <laughs> this, this, fucking, <laughs> this fucking guy. <laughs> I like you already, man. Um, all right, all right. And you, and you got, uh, you, what was it? You said your sister's boyfriend. Rejected uh, that my you, cousin's boyfriend. your cousin's boyfriend rejected that you were listening to Backstreet Boys and exposed you to um, real real music. We'll say real metal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he got me into like like local. Um, there's a local all ages venue that actually opened back up recently called Skeletons, and that was always a cool place because it's like I got to see like, and all of us like went there when we were younger. But it's like I got to see Black Dahlia Murder for three dollars at like a, a hundred person venue. It was okay. Like shit, that shit like that was fucking sick. Is there like a strong DIY kind of all ages vibe where you're from in terms of the underground music scene? 
Um, it's ebbed and flowed. So yeah. I, it, it kind of goes back and forth, like not necessarily for metal right now. There's a bigger like hardcore scene and there's a real big like um, emo scene. Um, but it kind of goes it kind of goes up and down. OK, man, we'll, we'll we'll get into that, man. But all right. So, Ryan, um, a lot there. And I want to talk about the school thing. I know we, we talked that one of your bandmates also works in a, in, a, in a school setting. We'll we'll get to that, man. Um, uh, but uh, so, Jeremy, um, you're the guitarist. Kind of same yep. line, line, same line of questioning. Then, uh, music, musical family, musicians, and your upbringing. How do you kind of find find out about hardcore or metal or whatever it is? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, not a lot of people in my family were musical. I, I just always, I think, just growing up, you know, being a younger kid in the '80s, just seeing like hair metal bands or like whatever on MTV. Like, I just thought guitar looked sick as hell. <laughs> so you know, as I got older. Um, I had an uncle that did actually play guitar. He just did like cover band stuff, classic rock stuff. Um, and he just had some guitars I could play on. And, and that, and that's kind of what started the the path for me. It was just, you know, learning on that and then getting my own guitar and then just going on from there. Um, as far as getting into like extreme music, um, that would come from my dad. So he's not, he wasn't a musician or anything, but he was really, you know, just a huge fan of all kinds of music. So that got me just into music, all of his CDs and stuff and listening to music. But, I actually got like, it was like through Columbia house or something like that. And I got, I signed up for this magazine and the magazine had a, like a sample CD every month that it came with it. And morbid angel was on there. That was right around the time that, um, domination came out. So where the slime live was on that. And like, I was probably 10 years old when that came out. And I just remember like then I was like, that was cool as hell. Like that's like from that moment forward, I was like, I want like the heaviest, coolest shit you can hmm. find. Hell yeah, Columbia House, man! I th I, I thought you were gonna hit me with the like ordering ten CDs for ten cents <laughs> in the nineties thing, man. We we used to do that, man. That was a whole scam, man. We'll do a whole we'll do a whole hour and a half podcast about that with an older older dude one day. Um, all right, man. So uh, and and then uh, your your first your very first guitar you ever got. Oh man, it was a PV Raptor hmm. Plus. PV Raptor Plus through a little Fender Champ or whatever, like the cheapest, crappiest combo amp you can get at the store. But that's where it started, and it it, it served its purpose. Yeah, yeah, it was called a Raptor, man. You can't go wrong. Um, yeah, for a start, for a starter. All right, man. So. Um, we'll get into some other stuff in a little while. I want to talk gear and all that, but let's get let's get everybody else in. Um, as I go around, Bob Green, the other guitarist in the band, uh, same question, man. Um, upbringing in terms of metal, musicians in your family. Um, not really a whole lot of musicians. My dad played guitar a little bit, but he mostly turned me on to you know ACDC and Black Sabbath and. You know, even a little Jethro Tull and shit like that. And then I had an uncle who was just a little bit younger than my dad. And he was big into Metallica. And he kind of steered me towards Metallica and Slayer and Pantera. And it just kind of snowballed from there. Fair enough, man. All right. That, that's why I ask all this this sort of stuff. And and then say, same question. Uh, your first guitar. Um, My dad had a, a Stratocaster that he would basically let me play when I'd have band practice. Hmm. And then... um. 
he had a Les Paul too, so I kind of lucked out. I started out on a couple really good guitars. All right, man, and I, and I want to talk about all you guys, um, who starts jam with who first. But my, uh, your drummer Mike Lyons, Mike, same line of questioning for you, um, and and uh, you know your first is your first instrument drums that sort of thing. Um, so as far as my first instrument being drums, no, actually my first instrument was piano. Um, my, no one in my family is that musical except my dad. He's into like singing, like he's been in like barbershop quartets and, uh, he has a pretty good voice. So he sings at like his church and that kind of stuff. Um, I got into music like this kind of through skateboarding. I started hanging out with some kids that skateboarded and they were into punk and we started going to shows and there used to be in a town like half an hour from Grand Rapids, Muskegon, there used to be a bunch of punk punk shows. So we would just go to punk shows like every weekend and I guess it's kind of evolved from there into heavier stuff and then um some somewhere at the beginning of high school, I got a drum set because I just got tired of playing piano and my drum teacher or my piano teacher knew that I didn't really like piano and she knew that I wanted to do something else. And she was like, well, you got pretty good rhythm. Maybe you should play drums. And it kind of worked out that everybody else that I hung out with played guitar and bass and stuff. And there was no drummer. So <laughs> I started playing drums because there was nobody else to play drums. And my piano teacher more or less talked to my parents into buying me a drum set and it was history from there your piano teacher sounds pretty cool man yeah i guess in retrospect she was cool she she wanted me to continue on with music but she knew piano just wasn't doing it for a 14 year old boy anymore and then to sell the parents on a drum kit i mean you know that's that's a whole nother story um, yeah she was i think she was a pretty big part in convincing my parents into getting a drum set yeah so all right man yeah and then once you're a drummer there's a million people that, that need a drummer everybody needs a drummer um it's true it's uh, true it, i've been i've been wanting to take up bass though i wanted to play bass originally and my parents were like no you're not playing bass <laughs> <laughs> it's so much more quiet in the house than drums though that's i your, your parents sound like they're pretty accepting of the music thing too yeah my parents have always been cool um I used to practice out in our like pole barn and we had a neighbor that would complain all the time. And my dad was always <laughs> like, I'd rather have him in here playing music than out doing whatever yeah. anywhere else. So I don't have a problem with it. So you shouldn't either. <laughs> he was always, he always had my back in that respect. So he hasn't always loved everything I've played, but he's always, he's always been cool with it either way. That's cool, man. All right. So so now that I got a little background from all you guys, um, here's uh, I want to ask a few more general questions about the area, about Grand Rapids and the scene, and you guys can all kind of jump in where you feel the need to. Um, Mike, you just said you practice drums in a pole barn. Um, the, yeah. Well, the, the, here's the question I got. I know what a pole barn is. Maybe you could de describe it for our listeners who don't know what a pole barn is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, fuck. <laughs> 
<laughs> just kind of like an extra garage, I guess, more or less, like yeah. detached from your house. And the one that I had was not heated. So if you wanted heat out there, you had to start a fire several hours before band practice. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. And I would just practice drums out there by myself in the cold. I just want to be clear. We in West Michigan, we don't all live like that. <laughs> that is not our culture or way of life. Hey man, you, well, see, you see me? I got, I got car. I got. Way of life, I got Carhartt on, man. I'm with you guys. All right. Um, yeah, I used to play. I used to be playing drums and gloves out there. <laughs> wow, that's awesome though. That's sick. Um, so, well, because this is before I was gonna. Before we got into this, all kidding aside, a question I often ask because I don't. I'm not familiar with Grand Rapids, Michigan. I ask, is it a more rural area? Is it a city? Is it the suburbs? Like, um, and if and if you guys are from different parts, then then get into that, man. Let let me know a little bit about where you guys are from in terms of that. So I guess technically I'm the only one officially from Grand Rapids. Yeah, I've lived there, but not for a while. Um, it is like a city. It's not. I think it's the second biggest, third biggest city in second, second biggest city yeah. in Michigan, but it doesn't yeah. like. It doesn't have a large downtown area. It's sprawled out quite a bit. Um, yeah. That's how a lot of Michigan is. We don't we don't like to have like a central area. We like to just have like strip malls everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's like it's a it's a cool sure. it's a cool place. Um, fairly like. I don't know. It's cool. It's a cool place. It's cooler than Detroit. It is cooler than Detroit. <laughs> oh boy! Don't don't come for us, Detroit people. <laughs> yeah, you guys. I don't know if I fully. I don't know if I'm fully on board with that statement. You guys are gonna get me in trouble. What do you do with... downtown Detroit? Not the Lions games. Yeah, but like, like... what else? <laughs> nothing. Tigers games. You have. You yeah, have... but besides sports, nothing. There's nothing down there. Grand Rapids is more. You can like do stuff down there. Anyway. Um, I'm actually from Muskegon, which is on the lake shore. So Grand Rapids is more inland, about 30 minutes. I'm from Muskegon. Um, I've lived here pretty much most of my life. Um, I did live in DC for a while, as was said earlier, I'm a educator. I moved out there to teach for six years. Um, but, um, yeah, Muskegon right on the water and it's pretty cool. Uh, it's, it's, it's pretty rural, pretty rural suburban. There is a city, but it's, very small we've got like a second tier hockey league there like there's a small hockey team that plays there that's about it um but just a maybe like a touristy town um but with some like manufacturing routes and stuff like that but um i love it i love muskegon all right man yeah. anybody I live in grand haven technically which is like 45 minutes from Grand Rapids. It's like 10 or 15 minutes south of Muskegon. Also kind of on the water. It's a tourist town, beach town. But this is where I grew up. It's where I landed back. For those uh, unfamiliar with Michigan geography, they're talking about uh, being on the lakeshore of Lake Michigan. Yeah, that's yeah, Lake Michigan. Which, uh, when we bring bands in who have never seen Lake Michigan, like everyone has a concept of like a lake being like this small thing you can see across. <laughs> uh, lake Michigan looks like a fucking ocean. I, I've never seen it myself. I would love to one day. 
Um, and that, come on over, dude. Yeah, yeah. we'll put you up. Hopefully. I'm like five minutes from the lake. Um, that and that also puts you guys in fairly close proximity to Canada, right? Uh, so we're <laughs> other side of the state. Yeah. Okay. Like Detroit's like right on the border, so Detroit's like literally borders Canada. Got it. Okay. Um, well, via a bridge on a river, but um, we're about two and a half hours from Detroit, so we're about two and a half hours from um Canada. Yeah. So pretty close, but not as close as you think. You guys ever play in Canada? We're sneakily close. You guys ever go up to Canada and play shows yet? I have never played a show no. in Canada. Yeah, me either. We know. Why the fuck are we? Hey, Ontario, where you at? Yeah, Ontario, hit us up. Hit your Toronto. boys up. Toronto, Windsor, Windsor, come on, Windsor. Uh, there in in like the uh, all I'm gonna say is I kind of feel like for me in my circle and kind of like the the underground scene, like people that I know. For some people, if you haven't played in Canada, playing in Canada is like this boogeyman because everyone's scared of the border. Like, it doesn't matter what you do. Everyone's scared of getting turned away at the border. Everyone's heard these stories and the merch. What do you do? It's like, I don't know. Everyone's scared of driving up there and then one member can't get in or something. There's always like this thing, man. I've dealt with it in the past, too. That'd be me. I got turned away at the border once for work. Now I'm like black flagged forever. (laughs) Wow. That that's what I mean, dude. Like, there's always I'm not gonna name names, but you know, I'm in many bands, so people I'm in bands with like 14 or 15 dudes, but one of those dudes has a felony. So we, you know, we talked about going to other countries and things like that. It's it's tough, man. There's always something. Yeah. You know, I I hear you, man. Um, all right, but but I you know, I could probably get over the border. Uh, I didn't actually do anything wrong. <laughs> <laughs> nobody nobody did. Nobody actually did anything wrong, man. Um, what do you mind saying? What they allegedly? What they alleged? What they alleged you did? Do you mind? Do you mind saying or no? I I was allegedly going over to Canada to do some work that was not paid for, or was not proven that it couldn't be done in Canada. So they were supposed to get some permit for me to come over there, and they did not. Oh, so they saw that I like had tools in my car, and they were like, "You can't come over here and work." without a permit and i was like that's fine with me i don't care and they're like well you're gonna have like a, a flag on you every time you try to come to canada now so Fuck. bye dude that that's what and i was like okay there's all these... i didn't want to come here so dude there's all these stories of like uh, uh... we do now though we love canada yeah, yeah i would go to canada happily but they might hassle me a little bit well yeah it's not like I've, i haven't i'm not saying i've heard bad things about the bands or the venues or the people at the shows or anything like that it's just like just appa- the border apparently the border can be a real stickler and and like they'll like put like you said they'll put a check on your permanent record man um uh so anyway man regardless man shout out to everybody in canada i'm not trying to totally shit on canada <laughs> but it's just, I just canada. <laughs> canada. Well, anyway i want to get a little bit because we, t- we started talking about grand rapids you guys talked a little bit about where you're from i also get the impression and i want to talk about this more when we get into what you guys do musically that hardcore and the kind of underground punk hardcore scene plays a big role in underground music out there in general even though you guys do have like a foot in death metal and you play you have a lot of death metal stuff going on is that is that fair to say yeah i'd say like west michigan in general is predominantly like a hardcore scene um we are definitely i would say there's definitely some death metal bands from the area but i'd say predominantly like we are kind of like an outlier 
Like when we play shows, we're we're easily generally the, like we're the most metal band, like most death metal band that plays yeah. any show we play around here, unless we bring them, yeah. unless we bring that but band here. On that same coin, if we play a metal show, we're like the most hardcore band playing the metal show. Yeah. Yeah, I I could hear that too, man, because. This is where, well, I guess this is where we kind of get into a, I think a big factor in that is the vocal approach that you take because it's very pronounced, the words are pronounced, you can understand the lyrics um, as you would a hardcore band more than a traditional death metal band. Um, that's not to say, like bands like Black Dahlia Murder, there's a lot of bands that pronounce the lyrics very well, but I feel like the vocal approach is, is a little bit hardcore and adds that hardcore mentality to the band, even though in the guitar work, there's a lot of lead work. There's a lot of death metal elements there, man. And um, do you guys do you guys wear that? Like, you know, or do you guys consider yourselves a version of like crossover nowadays, or you know, some version of hardcore and death metal? I think like um, the Midwest overall is kind of developing this like hardcore kids playing death metal sounds. That's uh, I've heard it like described as Midwest death. Mm. So like a Midwest death metal style. So it's uh like 200 stab wounds, uh, Sanguisabug, whatever that name is. Um, bands like that. And it's like, I definitely am more pronounced. Um, that's not necessarily from like a hardcore perspective. That's just like, a lot of times I just don't like when I can't understand anything in yeah. a band. Um, but it definitely plays a factor where it's like, you know, we're very influenced by a lot of the hardcore bands that are in the area or the bands we've been in. And yeah. it definitely, it's definitely a factor. We've all been in hardcore bands before. Yeah, for sure. And then honestly, I, I would say like a big influence on these vocals from a clarity perspective even would be like David Vincent. Yeah. Like that era of like Morbid Angel where like it was, it was still pretty like comprehensible what he's saying. Yeah. Fair enough, man. Um, so with that being said, then the, the you guys said like you you know you play death metal shows you're, you're like the most hardcore band on the metal show the most metal band on the hardcore show have you ever experienced any pushback about that because the 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 sense I get is that in this day and age it, like you said the Midwest death scene that's that's like what's hot nowadays people really don't care as long as you kind of bring it live right like there's have you experienced anything like that where you were kind of like like this is the wrong show for us or no. It's kind of, I honestly, it's just like, it's kind of just different crowds and how they respond to it. So it's like, I guess for me, like coming from hardcore bands, it's kind of weird playing like a fully metal show where it's like the whole venue isn't going to just be beating the shit out of each huh. other. And like, that's us knowing that we're doing a good job. <laughs> um, but you know, it's like sitting there, like just headbanging and coming up afterwards and being like, yo dude, that was fucking sick. And like actively paying attention. But no, we've never had like a, oh, you're a metal band. You shouldn't be playing the show or like you're too hardcore for the show or whatever. Yeah, I think for the most part, we, you know, I think we do fit for the most part when we play those spots. Or like you said, to your point, like we bring it like when we play live, like we have our shit together. Like, you know, you know, we we, we do that thing for like the time we're up there and, and, and people can feel that. Um, and so you know we've never yeah i've never had someone say like why'd you have them play like they're too death metal or they're you know or wait they have too many breakdowns like and honestly it's these newer songs are a little harder in that direction where like they have that more groove to it like our older stuff i'd say is a little bit more like fast and thrashy and more solidified in metal 
Um, but I think part of it too is like we're all kind of veterans of the scene here, so you know, there's a little bit of cred there that probably people just say like, well, if they if they're playing it, like we're cool with it, like whatever, like they can play whatever the hell they want to play. Do Do you guys bring to um, Pain Divine a uh, I don't well, I guess you could say a fan base, but like a listenership, people that come to the shows that know you from your older bands, that sort of thing. Is, oh yeah, this is this is like a leg. Yeah. This is like kind of like a local legacy that maybe is a little bit older than Pain Divine in a way. I'd say it's more. It's less of like a legacy, and I, I mean honestly, just like the relationships we've made. Like a lot of it's just like those are they're our friends. Like they're our people. Like yeah. we're playing a show, and they're like, "Oh, cool, you guys will be down there." Like, well, we're coming down. We're gonna hang them, hang. It's I guess like in terms of legacy, the only time we've ever run into that is when we were playing our first shows. It was like. We hadn't played show. I hadn't played a show in probably like ten years, or been in a band for like ten years. Because Mike and I were in a band that was locally pretty big. Reg- I guess like regionally pretty big. Um, people were interested to see what we were doing, so there was that sense of like, oh shit, it's like, you know, Mike, Ryan, Jeremy, and Bob are playing something because it's we'd all established in different bands like uh, a, a legacy, but it was more like we just want to see what the fuck they're gonna do. Bob and I were in presence of fear. Yeah. More I more recently. I, I think, like I said, I mean, I think most people in the scene right now, like if you just took a polling of the audience, like a lot of them might not even know the bands we used to be in or like mm-hmm. identify them like, oh, he was in this band and he was in that band. Like I said, the people that we associate with would, but the scene as a whole, like maybe not. Yeah, there's kind of an age gap. <laughs> so we we played um we played a show to like release the new album on Friday and it was at an all ages venue and it's funny because it's like it's a lot of our friends who are guys in their you know 30s and 40s and then um there's kind of like a larger group of older teenagers slash like young 20s that are like starting bands mm-hmm. and they're also like way into us so there's in some cases like age gaps of like yeah 15 20 years in our fans in one show it's like a five to ten year age gap of like kids in the scene in general i would say yeah uh i i experienced the same thing in long island but also when i you know when my band's tour and out of state it's it's everywhere i'm 41 without that younger generation you guys just talked about i wouldn't be doing any of this stuff the podcast or my bands or something you know because the support um wouldn't be there i probably wouldn't be doing as much you know because the, the, there's the the scene has grown exponentially the last few years from that younger generation that's in their 20s and late teens now man it's just it's just huge yeah. now it dude just... i i love like the next generation because they I, because of like the internet they have they don't have the same like preconceived notions like when we went to you know when we started going to shows it was like you had to get a cd or you had to get a flyer and it's like you had to like know the unspoken unwritten rules of this is what you can do at this show. And these are the bands that you like and shit like that. They just like, they don't know. And they also just don't give a fuck. So it's like, they're just there to have a good time. Mm-hmm. And I, I love that. Yeah. I I think that's fucking tight as shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's uh, there's a, there's a bunch of kids that come to shows on Long Island and New York city now that are, They'll come to go to noise shows, gore, gore noise, and gore grind, and death metal. They're 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 very wide open, man. It's not like 
Back, you know, back in the '90s, things were very separated. Uh, you know, between yeah. death metal and hardcore, and you and if you liked that, you couldn't like new metal. You know, yeah. Kind of thing. Um. So that that being said, then when we when we talk about like the beginnings of the band, like to, like we take the band starts in 2017, right? Yeah. So maybe now you guys could just expound on a little bit. Like you told me about Presence of Fear. Tell me about the origins of you guys jamming together and a few of the major bands where a couple of you guys got together before the whole Pain Divine um, uh, era formed. Oh, that's a... Technically, you guys started. So so Bob and I started off um, as... We've been in bands for a long time, but we were in a band called Time of Plague. I'd say, like, pretty straightforward, like, deathcore band, like, early 2000s, like... You know, like we were you know, big into like stuff like the Red Chord, um, that kind of stuff that was going on at the time. Um, we did that for a while. It's kind of the same thing as it is now. A little bit, of, you know, our feet were in like we were in the metal and hardcore scene. Um, we did that for a while. And Bob and I have just played um, together multiple things before that. Um, and then from there, it would have probably been around that same time. Ryan and Mike. Yeah, we were in a band called Damages. And I was not the original drummer, but I joined in like 2009. My so damages was just like uh, I think like early Bridge Nine hardcore kind of style, like faster, American, aggressive, American like American Nightmare. I think like American Nightmare shit. Uh, I actually met Mike because our drummer quit like three days before we were going on a tour. It was like a week. it was like a week, and then I texted yeah. my buddy saying I need a drummer, and he said Mike Lyons and. Ryan called me and was like, hey, you want to go on tour next week? And I was like, um, yeah. I don't even know if Mike had, like, maybe, he had maybe heard our band once. I I had seen the band once or twice. I had met you once or twice, probably. So we... I had not met the other members of the band. <laughs> um, Damage is toured for four... We were pretty, very, I guess, like, very active for four or five years. Yeah. Um, and then that's kind of we just went our separate ways, yeah. I moved away, so Mike moved away. Um, just we, yeah, went, just... On, we went on the like worst tour that ever <laughs> happened in the world, and <laughs> we never talked to each other again. For <laughs> we oh. we drove 36 hours straight from Austin, Texas, in a heat wave with our radiator oh. blown up, and we 55 miles an hour from Austin, Texas to Grand Rapids, Michigan. <laughs> No air conditioning. With the heat on. <laughs> yeah, with the heat on, so the motor didn't overheat. And we, we got out of that van, and all of us were like, now we're done. We're good. I, I literally moved away. <laughs> I say Mike moved away. Our vocalist, our vocalist Dom, literally without telling anyone, just moved. Mm. We just we texted him like a couple weeks later, like, yo, dude, you want to do band practice? He's like, yo, man, I live in Ann Arbor now, which is like two and a half hours away. <laughs> um, and then, same time. then I moved back and joined a band with well, Bob and I were kind of doing a band. I was playing drums in a band Bob had already started called Deadlift. And we played a couple shows that way. Yeah. And then Bob, when I moved back, Bob and I started a band called Presence of Fear. That was kind of a beat down band. And then uh, that fizzled out. So Bob and I started this band. Okay, yeah. so is it fair to say that you've 
uh, with Pain Divine, you bring some like knowledge from from your experience. I mean, you that you said the worst tour ever. I assume there was other stuff that went into it being the worst tour ever besides the mechanical failures. <laughs> well, that was a big part of it. Um, it was so hot. It was just, it was fucking hot, and it just wasn't. We had several shows get canceled, so we would like yeah. drive forever and then show up somewhere and be <sighs> like, "Oh, there's no show," and we'd be like. Oh man, now we got to drive like another eight hours. <laughs> so and it's like ninety. Oh uh, yeah, it sounds horrifying, dude. Um, all right. So, but with Pain Divine now, what I, I was going to ask you, and it's obvious now, like do you, you know, do you bring experience into Pain Divine, like the way you run the band, the decisions you make, uh, the the things you do in terms of like playing shows you bring experience to the table. You guys have been through the grinder a little bit. Um, and you know, you, you kind of like run your band a certain way now, I would imagine. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's a, it's interesting. Cause it's, you know, and like when our, when our younger bands were active, it was an entirely different game because the internet, like social, like managing social media and making content wasn't, wasn't really a fucking thing. And now it's, we have to do things entirely different. <laughs> so it's like, when we dropped the newest album, we didn't do any, like we didn't, no one really knew we were even dropping anything. It was just people woke up on Friday and were like, oh, by the way, we just dropped an album. And like, we had content to go along with all of that, but it was just like, it's just such a different world now that it's, we bring that experience, but a lot of it is relearning how to do all that shit. But kind of having the knowledge to go, okay, these are the people we should look to, these are the people we should trust and just let the process work, man. Yeah, yeah. I, I catching up with the social media game has been a big thing for me, man. I'm still a little bit. I'm I'm always going to be a little bit behind. Um, that's that's just how it goes. Uh, you know, from a from a certain age, I I take it most of you guys are probably late thirties, maybe even forties. Yeah, thirties, late thirties. Yeah, backside of thirty, backside of thirty, <laughs> early thirties. So, have you seen just on that note about the your local scene out there? Being that there's a lot of punk hardcore influence, and and now lately we've seen this Midwest death thing take off. Have you have you seen in your lifetimes like like you know I I talk about all the time about this younger generation and and about you know bands like Sanguisugabog and that sort of thing. Was it at one point um, you couldn't imagine playing this much death metal? Uh, with hardcore bands and and that sort of thing, like you know, maybe when you were younger, like when you guys were in hardcore bands when you were teenagers and in your early twenties, was it kind of like a different environment and things have changed in terms of genres and the local scenes and subcultures that go with them? I think it's changed a lot. Yeah, I, I don't remember any like death metal bands really playing except for like the Black Dahlia Murder you might see or like something like that, but. Well, and I think it's like in our lifetimes, I guess, in our times that we've been in the scene, I think there's always been that like there's been hardcore bands and then there's metal bands. Um, but I think death, I mean, just I would say even like right now, the acceptance of death metal, like when like when I was like when Bob and I were playing in time and playing in the early 2000s and playing shows, even though we were in like a deathcore band or like we played metal music, it's like anybody who was in the hardcore music or the hardcore scene, like they didn't fuck with any of that shit. Like they, <laughs> like they, no one was wearing like suffocation hats. You know what I mean? Or like wearing like, uh, you know, emulation em hoodies or, you know, bolt thrower shirts or shit like that. Like we're now like you go to like hardcore shows and it's like, 
you can't even tell like who is the quote unquote hardcore kid or who's the death metal kid. Cause it's like, there's a kid wearing like a mad ball hat with like a suffocation Jersey, you know, like it's, it's badass. That's you could you could find that at Burlington Coat Factory in New York. That's just standard wear. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where I'm from, that's like but like you but you can find that in kids' sizes. You, yeah, I bought that yeah. from yeah. <laughs> the Med Bull hat and a, and a suffocation. Yeah, I'm joking. Um <laughs> all right, man. New York represent. Yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah, it's just how the scene is because I talk all the time and I feel like an old man about, you know, the nineties when uh, when I play death metal and it wasn't cool, <laughs> you know, and all that sort yeah. of thing. But, you know, it is what it is, man. Um, t- times change. I think the Internet just opened everything up, man. And and uh, and also times are different now um, with, with music, even with hip hop and other sorts of, you know, youth, youthful music. Now, on that note, talking about the younger generation, these damn kids, uh, <laughs> we talked <laughs> two of you guys actually work uh in a school environment um I, I was hoping that you guys would even i don't want you know i know maybe certain certain things you don't want to get into specifics or or um uh you know we don't you have to talk about exactly what school but could you just talk a little <laughs> bit each each of you maybe take a turn i don't know who wants to go first but just talk a little bit about um as specific as you can get what you do for a living and as, as that cha- changed your perspective on underground music and subculture and that sort of thing um, so I teach, uh, six through 12 orchestra in one of the most diverse districts in the country. Um, it hasn't really, it was weird because I wanted to keep like my life in pain divine secret. We were talking before this interview about, uh, the character known as Wyatt, um, which is a pseudonym that I would use so students couldn't find it. Um, and it was kind of like weird cause it was like, I just didn't want it to be found because I wanted it to be something different, I guess. And then like a student found it. And of course they immediately blasted out on social media. Um, so then everyone who's ever had me as a student now knows my band and they come to all ages shows. Um, it was kind of cool getting found out, I guess, because now I can talk a lot more openly about that. And a lot of students now have come to ask me about like, what was it like when I was younger booking shows and starting a band and, you know, I want to start a band. What do I do? And just knowing, like, having the, the ability to go, you know, dude, when I was, like, 16, I paid some guy way too much goddamn money to produce this really shitty album. And now you can do 10 times better than that guy ever did on your iPhone. So it's um, it's been cool to tell kids, like, when they ask me about it, I'm like, just start your own band. Like, I will help you start your own band. Like, we can get you shows whatever just like just go do it like start a shitty band your first 10 bands are going to be fucking awful and those are going to be the bands you have the most fun in all right uh, yeah yeah i'm an administrator actually and i work in a middle school building seven eight um and i wouldn't say like it's changed my perspective on like extreme or underground music or anything like that but like i just you know when i if i see kids that are and it doesn't have to be even heavy music or anything like that, but if there, any kid that's trying to make music or play music or they're into that, I do my best to try to even just like, if it's just chatting with them in my office about like, Hey, like give me questions. Like is there anything like, I, you know, here's some really cool websites with like free guitar lessons and free, you know, just showing them that kind of stuff and just making sure they have those resources. If I ever see a kid wearing a sick shirt, which for middle school, usually as sick as it gets is like slipknot, but that's pretty sick. So um, you know, if a kid's wearing a Slipknot hoodie, I'm always like, 
like knuckles like let's go like six sure man yeah um yeah it's 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 crazy thinking about um uh, working I, I i have a friend uh locally who just got a job as a teacher uh at a school where she went att- attended middle school you know what i mean and she's kind of like bugging on that man it's it's a it's a thing um uh, you know and you it's a it's cool because it's like I think public schools need more people like us because we can relate to the kids that were like us. So, so the kids who are like us, we can relate. We can be like, yo, dude, I get it. I, I fucking love those bands and everyone else is kind of an asshole. Huh. Yeah. Have either of you experienced any sort of, uh, you know, negative reaction or criticism from other faculty members or parents? I haven't. I mean, I'll be honest. Like, I'm pretty not. My whole career, I've always been relatively nonchalant about it. Like, it's no to me, it's no big diff, like no big deal. And it's like no different than like somebody who's like, yeah, I'm going golfing tonight, or like somebody who's like, yeah, I'm gonna go out hunting this weekend, or whatever it is, like whatever that thing is that's your thing. So like, I've always been pretty nonchalant. Like, if a kid asks me, I'm like, yeah, I am. And if they ask to watch, like, can you play us a song? Like, if it's an appropriate time, like, yeah, sure. Like, here's a clip from a song. Um. But for the most part, like, I think because I'm so nonchalant about it and really like middle school kids could really give a shit less about what they're, you know, what this like they care, but like they really don't. Like They're not like, oh, I'm going to go home and make a fuss about this. So um, like it's honestly been the, the worst part about it, honestly, is like when other staff members like they really they just don't understand. And they're like, you're you're going to Cleveland to play a show. <laughs> you're going to you know, and they're like are you going to like, are you gonna, not going to be working here much longer? <laughs> like, are you like, are you going to be like, how sonic? much are you getting paid? Yeah. How much you get paid? Like you must be like set. You must be guys about break, about ready to break it big. Like they just don't get it. Yeah. So that is just like those cringy conversations of like, you're like, no, I need to assure you, like I'm nobody. And this one, that will never change. <laughs> yeah. It's a, I've never, I've never, no, I've never experienced any, any blowback, but it's like my district is my, like all of my administrators know, um, I brew some ribs like stage diving one day and my principal <laughs> gave me a bunch of shit about that, but like in a friendly way. So it was like, nah, no, no one's ever, no one's ever given a shit. I mean, like I'm ready for them to come for me, but no one ever has. <laughs> you know, I'm not, it's no big deal. Death metal for life. Yeah. Well, fair enough. And you guys, it's not like you guys are like, you know like misogynistic gore death metal like you you know it's it's not no it's not no. you know there's there's not not like shock nothing shock value you know really we're kind of pussy yeah. so it's okay I, I don't mean that i don't mean that but i think there's a little more thought thought behind it than i'm just busting balls you know than your little than your average porno grind band <laughs> yeah um, oh, yeah no that's not. the next ep yeah that's the, next EP. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's the dig up john benet ep oh yeah. my god that's that's the true truly worthy adversary um yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right man so so this the, the yeah this the the school thing i the cringy worker conversation i actually at my job now i don't talk i've gotten to a point where i just people at my job don't even know i'm in a band they think i have a lot of cousins because i'm always visiting cousins and going to family reunions when i'm <laughs> when, when i have to take a friday off or take a week off to do a tour or something i'm just like yep yeah, going to florida gonna have a little barbecue with some cousins go fishing like i don't because i <laughs> 
Cause I'm just so tired of the like, oh, oh, like Lincoln Park, or you know, like like that sort of thing. Like I just I don't want to talk about. And then you know how much money are you making? I don't want to break down the underground like the the the, the screen printing T-shirts scale of wages yeah. and all that sort of stuff. I'm like, in the same boat. Like I'm just like that shit's tiresome. That's where I'm like I might just start just low key. Not like no, I'm not in a band. No, nope. <laughs> I'm going to see cousins, like you said. <laughs> all, all right, man. So. I appreciate you guys sharing that, man. That's interesting to me. And and um and wh- while we got you, I don't want the other two guys to feel neglected, man. Uh, do each you guys? <laughs> uh, obviously, you could pass. I don't want to pry into your personal life, but you want to take a turn telling me what you, what your day job, uh, quote unquote, is. You gotta go, Bob. Uh, I I work in a factory, and I I've, I've worked in a factory pretty much all my life. My uh my dad started it in the eighties, and I've worked for him since I was a kid up until now. And I don't know, it's probably gotten me more into underground music because it's loud and dirty and <laughs> disgusting. So it just, they just kind of go hand in hand, but um, no one that I really work with listens to the same kind of shit that, that we're into. So I don't really, you know, really talk about it at work much every now and then I'll, I'll say I'm playing a show and like someone will be like, Oh yeah, I'll, I'll come see you. And I, I know they're not. So I'm like, all right. <laughs> yep. Okay. Punk Rock Rick has seen us before. So. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. So man. Um, I work in, I, I guess a factory, but not like the same as Bob per se. Um, I may, I work at a place that makes machines that apply labels and dispense labels and i used to i used to kind of lie about being in a band like if i had a show or if i had to leave early for that i would say like oh yeah i gotta do some family stuff or something but people know now everybody everybody i work for is just like really christian and stuff and really like weird about it so i don't they they don't know what my band sounds like because i just can't explain it they're not accepting. They wouldn't know. Like, like if you were listening to like a Metallica, like "Sad but True" or something, they'd be like, "Oh man, you're really having a bad day or something." Huh? <laughs> and it's like, this is some pretty dark stuff. Just yeah, it's like, <laughs> oh fuck, just fuck off, <laughs> leave me alone. This, so, this is some pretty dark. They know, stuff. they know I'm in a band now, but I, I'm not like broadcasting it. Yeah. Is that like I know you guys are from um, uh, different areas around the Grand Rapids area, but um, this is this has come up. I mean, I know um, uh, Ryan. You said you your your family's of a Roman Catholic background. Is there in general more of a conservative religious culture where you guys are from? Yo, uh, I I might I might rile rile some feathers here, but you know, like Betsy DeVos, who wanted to arm teachers in case bears came in Mm -hmm. the classroom. Yeah. She what would? What? Uh, no, no, Betsy DeVos, uh, ed- education secretary. Yeah, she was the sec- Yeah, I was gonna say yeah. Yeah, I, just yeah, for, she, just, she's from Grand Rapids. Just just for the listeners, I do I do read the read and watch the news. I just talk about metal on my podcast. I knew who that was. <laughs> no, we are. I would say this is maybe one of the more religious and conservative areas in the country. Um, I mean, it's not the deep south per se, but. It's it's very 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 conservative Dutch Christian reformed Christian yeah. reformed like here, um, but, it, but it's changing. 
Grand, Grand Rapids is definitely a progressive city if we're gonna, yeah. we're gonna go there. Grand, Grand, Grand Rapids is pretty progressive. Yeah, it's like it's weird because like it's a lot of like young like Christian hipsters. I so think it's like, a lot of people deconstructing. Yeah, and so Grand Rapids is filled with like these like people who like have always been Christians and like so there's still that vibe of Christianity, but they're like they've deconstructed, so like they're no longer like, Christian cool Christians. Yeah. Like, they, lots of lots of J Crew uh, sweaters and you know. Yeah. No, J. Crew. no I actually love J Crew. I'm not gonna lie, but that's <laughs> what um, so I'm saying. There's lots of it. You know, everyone's wearing it. Everyone's Michigan. So we got all these deconstructed Christians here, uh, making it a progressive place for everyone. Yeah. We we do have a town somewhat close to us that like finally allowed the sale of alcohol on Sundays like five years ago. <laughs> That's yeah. true. Like, that's not an example. That's whack. That, wow. That's an actual, Just like... let the guy buy his booze, man. Yeah, no, it was a whole county. It was, yeah, it was a whole mm-hmm. county. Like, they couldn't... You couldn't buy alcohol this, on Sunday. This county, right? Oh, shit, it was this county that we're in. <laughs> you guys... Ruined my wedding. <laughs> yeah, wow, a wedding in a dry county. Um, What uh, an idiot I am. <laughs> Mistake. <laughs> All right, man, but it looks good on the record uh, for... for uh, um the 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 newspaper uh the 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 factory work too man is that is that a, is that typical of blue collar work um where you guys are from there are there a lot of factories is is that a common vocation yeah i mean i think i think this side of the state used to have more a lot of the small towns on on like the shore of lake michigan are are more touristy towns now they don't really have you know, their, their economy isn't, isn't blue collar work restaurant industry though, for sure. But yeah, I mean, where, where I'm at, it's pretty much you work in a, you know, unless you're going to commute to Grand Rapids, you're going to work in like the restaurant industry or, or uh, a factory is when it comes to like, you know, working class type jobs. Fair, fair enough. Yeah. Is, is there kind of like a rust belt type of effect where there's a lot of um, areas that, uh, you know, industry has kind of died out? Yeah, but I I think like because of it being on Lake Michigan and having the beach, the tourist stuff has been able to like bring it back. Whereas like if you go down into, you know, Northwest Indiana and like that belt or go over to like Ohio and Youngstown, Mm. you know, they don't really have that touristy thing to bring them back. So I think they're doing they're in a lot worse shape than uh, we are for sure. Lake Michigan FTW. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I think Lake Michigan helps a lot, but there definitely is like, there was a large, um, in the nineties, a large exodus of a lot of, uh, a lot of industry that kind of left a lot of people mm-hmm. around the whole state in a bad spot. Yeah. A lot of automotive jobs. Yeah. Cause Michigan is like a huge automotive state. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. It's like, kind of like shape makes car parts. Yeah. So that happens still. Is is there any and maybe maybe there's not. Maybe this is an uh, an abstract question, but is, is there any correlation you guys can draw between that in the nineties and um the underground music scene and punk and hardcore and um what you guys have experienced with uh uh your local music scene? I mean, I, I'm I I know uh um I I know this this might be contentious to bring up Detroit. 
Um, but I feel like cold is life. Gives, I love gives, Detroit. I, I well yeah, be, because fine. because of what we said I before. Detroit. Well, I was just gonna say the band Cold is Life gives you a very accurate portrayal, I'd say, of what life in Detroit was like for them. Do you guys feel that feel like there's some sort of correlation in your local music scene and in the hardcore scene growing up, and and what you, what you the things you guys just described? Man, I a lot of people. So it's. Michigan, Michigan got hit real hard, you know, 2007. Everyone got hit real hard in 2007, 2008. But Michigan historically has been the first to get hit and one of the last to recover. But it's West Michigan, like Grand Rapids, there was a lot of people who, you know, wanted for a lot. But it wasn't it wasn't as bad as like a Detroit or something like that. Well, yeah. and, and I would say that like, like Grand Rapids as a whole, like I, I just, yeah, I wouldn't say like, yeah, they were strongly impacted by that. The music scene wasn't really, I'd say strongly impacted by that or shaped by that. Like, and, and honestly, like we're like, I'm from like Muskegon is more in that mold of like a Detroit. Um, really hit hard, you know, it's predominantly factory work there. So, you know, the economy hits or like, the, you know, that's, you know, people are unemployed, nothing to do. Um, but yeah, no, I, I honestly, I, I don't really see that reflecting in our music scene here like that much. Like I'd say now, like more now with political stuff, I would say, um, than anything. Yeah. I, I just remember one thing that was weird is, um, I was touring, you know, like 2009 or so and we went someplace and I saw a for help sign in a window and I was like what the fuck i haven't seen this in years it was fucking wild um uh, but it uh, wasn't like what was the sign uh it was a like uh help wanted like hire oh okay, now hiring okay. Sign. yeah yeah and it's like i hadn't seen that in grand rapids for a while and it's like a lot of shit shut down but yeah, yeah. it wasn't it, it wasn't as bad as like a detroit or anything where it's like you know an entire auto factory closed destroying yeah. an entire uh an entire you know kind of like group of people we just don't have that kind of that scale of factory in Grand Rapids, but definitely like Muskegon, um, there's an area Muskegon Heights got hit real fucking hard. Cause that's all just factory people. Grand Rapids is like weird. Cause it's getting like super developed with a lot of big money people. So they, they weren't going to let a lot. It's a, a lot of what happened is like a lot of like less well off people lost their houses and a bunch of like rich land developers came in. It's yeah. like, Grand Rapids is one of the harder markets to buy a house in right now. And it has been for 10, 15 years. So it's like a lot of that was just like people couldn't afford to live here anymore because a bunch of people like came up and bought houses for pennies on the dollar and then, you know, turned around and rented out for exorbitant amounts of money. Yeah. It's like the fucking Goonies in real life, man. Yeah. There's, there's, there's parallels to that where I'm from. Um, but but guys, thank you very much for uh, taking me on a little journey there uh, through your local culture and, and history. I appreciate it. One of the one of my favorite parts about uh, the underground scene is traveling and meeting people and and um, seeing different parts. I've seen most of the United States by way of the underground death metal scene. So I always like to ask a little bit about places I'm not from. Um, but yeah, dude. but that being said. Um, we kind of, I, you know, I, I feel bad too. We got a little bit off, off track of your actual music and you guys have been very generous with your time. Your new EP, A Worthy Adversary, you just released last week. Uh, people can find that on Bandcamp and other streaming platforms. Uh, last year you put out a full length album without compassion. 
Um, and I noticed you recorded that and your two-song quarantine sessions demo at Analog Time Studio, Analog Time Machine Studio, and this new EP at 19 Star Studios. Maybe it was, maybe you guys could just take me a little bit through um, the difference in those studios and uh, talk a little bit about your full-length album and this EP and kind of what what um, what changes, what artistic visions differ maybe between the two. Uh, take take me down that road. Um, I'll jump in on this one. Yeah. Anyone else to jump in? Um, so I actually joined the band around the time that we tracked, um, without compassion. The first time we actually tracked that two entirely different times. Um, not the best idea ever, but we did it. Mm. Um, that was around what 2019 that yep. I joined. Yeah. So 2019, it was like right in the winter of that of 2019. And um, so I joined the band. So honestly, without compassion, the way I've looked at it is that's like chapter one. Like that's kind of like that. There's even songs in there that had been recorded on like earlier demos. Everything that the band did to that point had been recorded by Addison at Analog Time Machine. So that album we recorded with him the first time I had just, I literally joined the band, I think two weeks before we tracked. Yeah, and I just, because yeah. the guitar player basically was like, you guys, this is a little more serious than I want to commit to. I don't really want to throw down that much money to record, you know, yada, yada, yada. So he left and I just had known Bob. I'd known Mike. I'd known all these guys for a while. And so I joined. Um, we tracked the full length, um, planning to get it mixed, mastered, all that. It was all set to do that. But then COVID hit and we kind of just decided mm, it we think it could probably be better. Addison got some new gear, you know, he was like, I'll, re I'll do it for free. So we essentially did that. Although now that I think about it, like I recorded everything myself on that full length with Addison's help. So that was kind of stupid. And so anyway, um, why did we do that? But anyway, so I re I recorded everything at my house, at my home studio um, with a little bit of help from Addison, then Addison mixed it. And then we got it mastered over at, um, by Bat Brad Bolt, right at audio siege. Um, so that's kind of like the process of without compassion. Um, and Addison's our homie. Like we love him. He's in a band called tiny tree. Um, he he's one of my best friends. He's just super legit dude. So we loved working with him, but then, um, moving forward to the EP, um, we just felt like, you know, we really want to just start branching out. We wanted to kind of network, connect, get out of, you know, right here in our West Michigan area. So, you know, we kind of started sending the feelers out to guys and like, Illinois, Indiana, Ohio, just seeing what's out there. And there were a couple studios that kind of came to mind, but um, Colin, um, he was in a band called Purgatory. He's currently in a band called Infamy and Days Lost, um, among other things. The dude's just like so busy musically, but I'm super sick drummer. Um, you know, we saw his work with his, he actually tracked his band Infamy's um, EP, and that just stood out to us. We were like, hell yeah, like this is, that's who we want to work with. Plus, he's a drummer, and I just know that in our past experience, you know, having the understanding of how to track drums, how to edit these kinds of drums, like that's so important to just having the album sound how you want it to sound. So that was just really important to us that he's a drummer. Um, so yeah, we went there, we had, you know, we kind of just put ourselves in a time crunch. We said, Hey, we've got like, like two or three songs were roughly ready and we had a bunch of ideas. So we just said, Hey, let's, let's book a date. Let's go down to Indiana and track with Colin. And that's what we did. And I, you know, and so that's, I mean, that's what the EP is, is that's that's kind of this like second chapter of Pain Divine, so to speak, like where I'm also in the mix. So um, yeah. I know 
on the new on a worthy adversary we very actively chose to kind of like streamline the writing make it so we're doing like less uh less riffs in a song really bring making sure we have a riff come back do it a little different um and i know like lyrically i tried to simplify a lot of what i did because it's without compassion i like it but there's too many fucking words man <laughs> uh well i wanted to ask you about that man um I've always been fascinated by people who play an instrument and do vocals in hardcore and metal. Uh, and your approach, I mean, I just for me doing vocals, um, uh, memorizing particularly wordy songs is, is quite a task sometimes, man. So could you talk about that? How long have you been playing bass and singing in bands at the same time? Was that something that you had to work very hard to develop or was it more of a natural thing for you? And maybe if you just want to elaborate on that, because it's it's not always um, common, particularly with your vocal style. I um, This is where I get to talk and be a little bit of an asshole and talk about myself <laughs> in a very positive light. Don't um, be a total one. No, no, I, I'll, be, I'll be a little bit cocky. Um, uh, this is actually the first band I've done, uh, I've played and done vocals in. Um, but, you know, I've, I've been performing, uh, like, I'm, uh, I've been playing, like, jazz. I'm classically trained, so it's not really a question of like how long like it took. It's just like, it's just practice to me and I've done it. Like I do it all day, every day and have done it, you know, since I was like 13. So it's just something where I would get an idea and go, this is what I want to do. Um, a lot of times I will write vocal lines independent and then record it. And then when to go to play it, I'm like, Oh fuck, this is hard, man. Um, but it's just, it just takes practice and I have a lot of, I have a long background and a lot of the tools to be able to make that successful. So it's like a lot of times it might take like a day or two for me to really get it down. Good. Um, I will also, and this sounds like dumb, but it's what I got to do. Like I'll practice like rocking out in my house um, and like screaming to my dogs and playing bass just so I can like coordinate all those movements and not like get like a head rush and fall over on stage. Mm -hmm. Um, it's just always something where it's like, this is what I want to do, so I'm going to do it, and whatever it takes to do is what I'm going to do. Okay, I, you know, as as I don't, as, like I said, I'm just a vocalist. I don't play an instrument while I'm doing it, but I've that like I've heard people say, like say make references to practicing in the car while they're driving. I don't do that. The uh, the few times I've tried to do that, just even just try to practice vocal tone for death metal while driving, you get a little lightheaded. It's not something you want to, you don't want to be driving around. Yeah. Um, uh, I'll ahead. do warm-ups in a car if I have to. Otherwise it's like, I like, yeah. I do my best work if I have a dedicated space and a dedicated time to do the work. Uh, yeah, definitely, man. Um, So with that being said, can I can I persuade you to share maybe one or two tricks of the trade to um uh to our listeners and to me maybe for memorizing lyrics um or 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 to learn how to train yourself to do vocals and an instrument at the same time. Um you got to learn each independent. Like you have to learn one and then the other cuz it's like if you've never played basketball before, you're not going to be successful just jumping in and playing a game. You just won't. You got to learn how to dribble. You got to learn how to shoot. And you're not going to learn how to do all of that while also running around in the court going, what the fuck am I doing right now? So it's like, get solid on one, get solid on the other. And then you can kind of just piece all of that together a little bit easier. It's like, I just kind of like feel 
where does my vocal line fit in with the rhythm of the drums and what I'm playing on bass. So sometimes I'll have to go through and put a metronome on and practice my vocals with a metronome and then practice the bass with the metronome so I know exactly where it falls. Um, I think I had to do that for uh, the song Wretched, the like course has just a lot of like, not really weird timing, but like weird timing for what I'm playing. So that took a lot of work. Um, dwell, I actually like rewrote the lyrics to Dwell probably four or five times, three or four times. Um, and that took definitely a lot of like, I'm syncopating what I'm playing with the bass with what I'm doing on with what the drummer's playing, but my vocals are not syncopated. So that took, uh, that took some metronome practice and then just starting really slow. And it's like, I'll just practice and say the words as I'm playing and then see if I can scream it and then try to put it all together. And break it into parts and then put it all together is really what it boils down to. Break it into parts and put it all together, man. There's a, there's a lot there. Um, that's that's wise words. I, I appreciate that, man. And I appreciate your guys' time. You've been very generous with your time tonight. Um, so that being said, again, I want to encourage people to check out your new EP, A Worthy Adversary, um, and also that full-length album, Without Compassion, especially now that you said they kind of um, complement each other, maybe a, a, a part one, part two type of vibe. Um, guys, I always conclude each interview by asking everyone to go around and recommend one older release and one newer release by any artist you like, metal or otherwise, demo, EP, album, whatever, just something from back in the day and something a little bit more recently. Um, if you, if you each want to just take a turn and recommend some music. Well, just to, and not to, not to get too caught up in the weeds here, they, the, the two releases are not connected in that way. I more meant in just a, in a, in the sense that I was not really, I didn't write any of the songs on the first out that that first release this um where the adversary ep is the one the first thing we've released as this group of musicians so uh, that we've all written these songs so they're okay. not necessarily like connected. thematically connected or anything like that just so yeah not, that's... i don't want a trivia question in 20 years <laughs> asking how they're my, these two that's... things are linked Anyway, my, my misperception. So, release, my, my, so, so, so from the same band, an old release, or just an old release and a new release? Yeah, anything, anything to listen to. Whatever you got on your playlist, man. Something old, something oh, new. Oh man, I, I can start right now. Um, it's kind of like metal adjacent, but the uh, uh, I guess Scram's band, Circle Takes the Square from Savannah, oh, yeah. Georgia. Their album Decompositions Volume One, I think, is uh there's not a single second of that album that isn't fucking perfect. It is uh, hands down. Listen to it every week. It's been out for, I think 10 or 15 years. And that album is incredible. Um, new stuff. I don't know. I've been listening to our album a lot, which I know is like, kind of like dumb, but it's also like, I write, we write the music we want to listen to. Um, I, Jeremy's gonna give me shit for this, but I think the new Tomb Mold album is fucking awesome. No, it's good. It's good. I think Jeremy said it was scale to summit of death metal. <laughs> you just got a little no. <laughs> just protest the hero. Protest the hero. A little like cutesy sometimes. Mm. <laughs> but it's now, sick. It's cutesy. Now I definitely um, got. Now I definitely got to check sorry, it out. What? Um. For me, I'd say like my this year, like the al the album of the year for me definitely would be probably like the new Dying Fetus album. Mm. Um, that album, I don't know. It's just I love that band, and I think somehow that's their best album. Um, so I love that album. Um, 
as far as old stuff goes, I mean, I've actually done like a, this year, I've done a, a lot of deep diving into just old morbid angels. So, you know, for me, I'm thinking like either Covenant or like Formula's Fatal of the Flesh. Like I know Bob really likes that album. And so I just, that that's what I would say. Throw on some old morbid angel. Hmm. All right. Or gateways. That's like middle two. That's like mid years. Mid years. That actually might be my favorite Morbid Angel album. Truly. You want me to go? <laughs> um, I'm gonna say for old stuff. I don't know, man. You know what I've been listening to a lot. It's kind of metal. It's kind of punk adjacent. No. That's probably not a good one. <laughs> Transplants. I, I can't stop listening to it. But I'm going to say maybe Built Upon Frustration. And then new stuff. I've really been listening to that Never Ending Game a lot. That new never-ending game. It's a good album. Somebody yeah. was t- somebody was telling me about never-ending game. Could you refresh my memory about that band? What what? They're a hardcore band from Detroit. That's they're getting pretty big in the hardcore world. They're yeah. kind of like they're not really straight up beat down, but I don't know. How would you describe them, Jeremy? This is your thing. They're, I mean, I, I, to me, when I think about them, they're, they're like, they're definitely like metallic hardcore with like some beat down, but also they've got like, they're oddly catchy. Yeah. They're kind of catchy. They're oddly catchy. Huh. It's, it's cool. It's good. I mean, the guitar, it, the production's awesome. It's heavy shit. Yeah. New Jersey bloodline. <laughs> oh, you bombed them. Uh, I want to go with my favorite classic from the eighties, rain and blood. A wow. Slayer, oh, there we go. and then I, I think uh, probably the newest Suffocation. Have you been the, listening to that? The, the yeah, a little bit. That actually the, fucks. Like that new vocalist holds it down. Like, you, that new Suffocation album is actually really fucking good. You talking about the one that they just put out? Like, uh, like that just came yeah. out Friday. Okay, I haven't heard it yet, but yeah, I'm gonna check it out. Oh, it's it's good. Like okay. it it is good. Definitely gotta check that out, man. Yeah, they had a. Like a li- an album listening party in Brooklyn for it the same night that one of my bands was playing here on Long Island, uh, but yeah, I definitely want to check that out, man. Um, cool. All right, so guys, you've been more than generous with your time tonight. I really appreciate it, um, and I appreciate all the insight into not just your music but your past and the area you're from. Um, hopefully, I'll come uh, visit one day, man. Maybe I'll get one of my bands out there one day. Yeah, um, hit me up. I've been booking lots of mutilatreds come through, hanging fortresses come through. We just brought feet aside and observer through. Um, hit us up. I mean, we're we're any bands out there, honestly, truly, hit us up. We'd love to bring you through town, um, take care of you. Um, people here are in, into sick shit, so like, come through, come through, and you know, hey, hit us up. Fair enough. I was gonna say at this point, man, any plugs, messages for listeners or your music or that sort of thing, man, uh, before we wrap it up. To me, it's just, I mean, just listen to the music, share it with people, hit us up. I mean, you know, if you're into it, let us know to have us come out to where you're from. You know, we're down. We want to hit the road, get out of here a little bit. 
But if you're looking for, you know, any heavy music, any heavy bands looking to come through, you know, the Midwest, Michigan, hit us up, Pain Divine, um, anywhere, you know, everywhere on social media, like hit us up and and we will we'll hook you up. So let us know. Yeah, we'll take care of you. Trying to trying to bring more metal to the West Michigan. Yeah. Mm. Fair enough, guys. All right, Pain Divine uh, with your new EP, A Worthy Adversary. Thank you very much for your time, guys. We'll be watching for you guys. Okay, thank you very much to the members of Pain Divine. I really appreciate that interview. Um, they gave me a lot of insight. They answered all my questions and gave me a lot of insight, not just into their music, uh, and the history of of uh, their band and themselves as musicians, but kind of their area um, and where they're from and that and some local history. I, I, I appreciate that a lot, man. That's stuff I love to get into on this podcast. Um, as I said, you know, it's 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 uh, I probably wouldn't have gotten the, the opportunities I've had to to travel and explore the United States of America um, had it not been for death metal and for underground music, hopefully the world one day. Um, in different parts of the world. We'll see. But right now, um, speaking of different parts of the United States of America, at least, I want to bring you an old-school death metal demo from 1995 from California. Uh, The band is Gorge, G-O-R-G-E. The demo is Among Composing Fields, 1995. This is actually um, by way of a YouTube channel, XDM4, The Sludge Pit. And uh, you might want to check this out. They have a very well-curated channel uh, um, of music here. But this um, Gorge Among Composing Fields, this is an interesting band. I believe a few years ago I may have brought up their 7-inch uh, pathless and awkward in the stairs reverse, uh, which was kind of a lo-fi recording, and I, I might have talked about this, but I wanted to bring this up again because you know every few years listeners change, pe- you know, people get onto the podcast and and who you know who haven't heard it. So this is something you want to check out. This is from what I know probably the best quality recording that this band left behind. Um, it is groove. Oriented death metal, but not in the way we normally use that term, which we frequently do on this podcast. I wouldn't say it's in the way of internal bleeding or skinless and so on and so forth, but in a way it it kind of scratches the same itch. It's just a little different. And it almost, it's progressive, I think, without even, I don't know if it... I don't. I don't know. I don't know if they know how progressive they were really being at the time. This this sounds like something that if it came out today, um, would sound like a, a really interesting twist on some of those bands I mentioned because it's death metal, but there's a lot of rhythm com- components um, and a lot of it's almost laid back. I want to say the bass is nuts too. The bass is really doing some some wild kind of experimental different stuff. Uh, uh, this is, this is just a, a, an out there demo, a one of a kind band. I don't know that there's anything, you know, obviously I would recommend this to people who, who are into maybe like your, um, phlebotomized and your, your, uh, disharmonic orchestra, you know, you're kind of odd offbeat death metal bands that, that do display quirky 
but talented musicianship qualities, you know. Um, this the, not, not necessarily that these guys bend the rules as much. I don't think they had the opportunity because this was a demo. They put out two demos and some, some like an EP, and there was never a full-length album. I don't think they ever really got to go into a studio and explore their sound as much, but this is an interesting band. So, um, like I said, uh, just, just give it a chance. I think, you know, people who know this podcast and kind of know the deal with death metal, go back and listen to this gorge among composing fields, um, there's a full cassette rip from the 1995 uh, cassette release on XDM for the Sludge Pit, which is a YouTube channel. That's where I heard it. Uh, look for it wherever you can. If you know anything about this band Gorge 2, um, please uh, leave us a voicemail. The number should be wherever you're listening to this or heavyholepodcast at gmail.com. Be very interested in no, don't know any, any more lore about this band if anyone knows them because it's just kind of a little death metal anomaly out there. I don't see the name pop up. I haven't seen any proper reissues in this age where people are digging everything up. Um, don't know what these guys ended up, up doing, uh, you know, down the line, if any of them are still, you know, I think it was two guys, if either of them are still involved in metal in some way. But regardless, I'm just going to leave it there, man. You know, for, for your, if you're a fan of like maybe you're, I would even say, you know, repudiation in a way because it just has this groove really laying into the the groove but also the there's they're not overtly stoner but there's something very you know stoner adjacent about this band man it, just check it out just check it out get into it man gorge uh, among composing fields demo 1995 thanks tom <laughs> Live Burial was, uh, unfortunately, split up, but was a band with members comprised of bands um, Plague Rider, Rat-Faced Bastard, Rodney Shades Band, um, Winds of Genocide. There's a lot of, these guys were in a lot of bands, many of them uh, with other members of Live Burial. But this band, Live Burial, was around from 2012 to 2023, um, from the United Kingdom, uh, they, um, they put out three albums, the last of which was Curse of the Forlorn in 2022. That came out on Transcending Obscurity Records. I just want to recommend this quickly. It is a amazing, uh, death metal album. I'm going to say death metal album. It's a lot of, you know, you could maybe throw in a little doom, but not in that way. You're th it's like epic, uh, really embellished, layered, um, uh, uh, melancholic, uh, sometimes desperate death metal. This, this is, uh, it, it's, it's really amazing stuff. I guess you, one might say that this is, but then also when they, when they get brutal, when they get heavy, well, I guess I should say maybe when they pick up the tempo and strip things down a little bit, um, it's it's heavy. It's 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 just amazing, compelling death metal. It gets it gets fast and and grinding. I think maybe it takes a lot of nods from 
the more dark uh, and clandestine-sounding Finnish death metal bands of the 90s, but also some of the framework from those classic uh, Swedish bands we like so much that mixed a raw, more hardcore and, and crust-influenced death metal approach with super melodic leads. But these guys, the vocals are very mad. The vocals are just feral, rabid. Um, th- this this is uh, it's something special. This band, I, I um, t- I'll be perfectly honest. I'm kind of late to the to the game with these guys. Uh, I'm kind of exploring their catalog now after they've broken up, and I, I see they're in a lot of other bands um, that I might eventually check out too. There's so much to take in here, but this is a great album um, that I kind of found ra- randomly a few months ago in the algorithm. Um, just you know, transcending obscurity is definitely no slouch of a label. They put out a lot of great stuff. Uh, this is no exception. So I don't want to talk this to death, but this is something. It's an album that has only, I believe, seven songs. Yeah, seven songs, but there's, you know, some of the songs are longer. One of them, well, one of them is like almost 12 minutes. But um, on, on in general, the songs range from like five and a half to over six minutes. There's one song that's over seven minutes. These are epic, epic songs. I really think... I think a lot of people who listen to this podcast, who know the general themes of this podcast, are going to be able to wrap their heads around the um, the way this band really embellishes and layers some of some of these heart wrenching melodic parts, and and plays the push and pull of of the build up, and then the release with these particularly raw, uh, uh, old school death metal parts. And I love the vocals. The vocals are very. The vocals sound like a corpse. You know how they say like the old uh, the old black metal bands, you know, they they wanted to sound like a corpse or whatever and all that stuff. This this just sounds like a um a, a zombie barking at you. It's it's really an amazing death metal album. So with that being said, uh, I don't want to talk this um to death like I can do sometimes, but I really recommend Live Burial's Curse of the Forlorn album from last year, 2022 on Transcending Obscurity Records. It's just a great piece of um epic death metal that that i think is the probably the the proper term for this in my imagination is epic death metal cut the crap it's epic death metal um because it is still metal of death Uh, there's still a certain morbidity to it there's still a, a feral ferocity to it um just check it out man thanks a lot I, I uh, uh, again, I do appreciate Tom. I'm never alone on the podcast. I always got Tom and Justin help me out on the visual end there. So, uh, speaking of never being alone, I'm going to be going to rehearsal uh, this month because we got a few things coming up. First, I want to talk about November the 25th, Thanksgiving weekend. Um, me, me and Adam go back uh, all the way back uh, to um, uh, Todd Hill back in the 90s. So it's it's, it's no surprise that we're going to be spending Thanksgiving weekend together this year, like family do, uh, at Mr. Beery's, November the 25th. 
because it's anal birth, bowel erosion, charcuterie, aroma, and bait lehem. I hope I got all those names right. You guys know what you're doing to me with the logos there. At Beery's, 2 p.m., matinee show, 15 bucks. Um, can't go wrong with the matinee show. Everybody gets to go home and, and uh, go to bed early, man. Um, especially with work the next day, man. Who wants to go to a Sunday show late at night, man? I mean, I'll do it if I have to, but come on. November the 25th, you got that anal birth record release. Uh, we just had Adam on uh for our halloween bonus episode with uh, him and um nick cassiopo and adam talked a little bit about that new anal birth album adam also co-hosted an episode recently around halloween we had adam all over the place so you should know about it by now if you're a regular listener we're doing that record release show november the 25th 2 p.m at mr beery's um other shows coming up man it's a busy holiday season man everybody's getting presents because we got to go play december the 7th at dingbats with mortician um, then the next day, that's Reeking Aura. Reeking Aura, December the 7th at Dingbats and Mortician. And the very next day, oh, December the 8th, Vitus with Mortician. Come on, man. We're not playing out here, all right? December the 7th, Dingbats, Mortician. December the 8th, Vitus, Mortician. Catch us on social media, man. Stop playing. Um, and also, stop playing around this weekend. This is an urgent request. Uh, go see Stabbed, the Tribal Gaze, 200 Stab Wounds, Frozen Soul, and Judiciary, 11-5, November the 5th, at Gramercy Theater in New York City. Man, it's a cl- take your girl. Take some. Take take the kids. It's a family experience. It's at a cl- when do you get to see those death metal bands like that play at a, a classy joint like Gramercy Theater? It's a beautiful experience for everybody. It's like the Muppets take Manhattan. All right. <sighs> Getting a little excited talking about the Muppets, man. I had... um. People know I work in a uh, work in an environment. I work with um, people who have uh, dis- developmental disabilities. Sometimes, man, I have a little debate with a guy the other day talking about the Muppets, and I'm thinking to myself, Muppet Babies, obviously part of the franchise, but does it's not a Muppet; it's a cartoon about Muppets. There's no the Muppet is like a you know, a, a, a Jim Henson trademark puppet. Muppet Babies, they didn't actually use Muppets in the production of the entire show, ever. They, it was just a cartoon. So it's part of the franchise, but it's not really a Muppet show. That's it's an ongoing debate I have at work. Weigh in if you'd like. Uh, heavyholepodcast at gmail.com, voicemail, wherever you're listening to this. That's that, man. That's about all I got going on tinkering around in my head right now, man. Besides uh, those recommendos I gave you, them shows coming up. Um, what else we got here, man? Thank you to the guys in Pain Divine. Appreciate their candor this evening. Uh, no one else to talk to except for Tom after I wrap this episode up, man. Shout out to you, Tom. Besides that, um, I'll see you guys later. Thanks for all the support lately at all the shows, man. We appreciate you as we're wrapping up this season. We keep, uh, every time, uh, uh, we think we played the last show for the season, like Spooky Fest was hot. We appreciate everybody. Spooky Fest, New Jersey is a beautiful time. Appreciate everybody in Amityville, man. Every time we, we think we're wrapped up for the season, we could go home for the holidays and shop and buy presents for the kids, we book another one. 